From Pee-wee to Dumbo and everything in between, join us every Thursday in April for Filmography Tim Burton. Our five-part season will break down all 19 of Burton's feature-length films to date in detail. Follow Filmography on Spotify or wherever else you find your podcasts. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from the Consequence Podcast Network. Boys, it's been a while. It has been a while indeed. Since mm-hmm. we've had the gang together. Mike's been kind of overseeing many interviews, and you guys did a review. We did a review. Film. I wasn't there for it. But you my, had your own review. I had my, well, I, I wrote a page to screen for the AV Club uh, about that. We posted it to the socials. Go check it out. My take was not very kind. I didn't love it, but I did. I would say my piece was fair. I talked. About I agree. The, I, talked, I would I, say so. I talked about the potential of the twist. And um, so did we. I think we all talked about the yeah. potential. As well. And then, uh, if you want to hear me in podcast form, since I wasn't on the review episode, I, I swung over to the, our friends, the New Flesh Podcast, who uh, were on our the boys of that were on our Creep Show episode. We'd love them to have them have them back again someday. They're good dudes. Uh, check that out. Uh, me and Emma Stefanski from Thrillist uh, chatted with Brett Arnold over there to talk about Pet Cemetery remake, and it wasn't a very diverse panel because none of us liked it. Well, guys... Who are you? Uh, oh, oh, shit! <laughs> wow, forgot to do that. Uh, you might know me as Rock and Randall Colburn, uh, yes. R- Church Colburn, Church Colburn, because that was oh. my favorite character from the remake. Because I love that cat. I love the cat. Love the cat. Yeah, and so um, it's good to see you guys again. Yeah. It's been a while. And who's sitting across from me? This is Mike. I'm not going to go Michael Lisey Story Rothman. Ooh. Is it Lisey Story? Lisey Story. It's Lisey Story. Okay, so Michael Lisey Story Rothman. Editor in chief of Consequences Sound. And I imagine it being Lisey's story, one word, like with no, just one long word. Lisey story, Lisey all story. bunched together. Kind of, you know, maybe that's how they'll promote it. That'd be cool. Who the hell are you? I'm, ju- I'm Judston uh, Gerber. Not to our for, I like how we're still Judd doing Randall. Pet Cemetery. We, we, we <laughs> He's a famous character. said that we're moving on. He's a famous character. We can't let go. That's true. You can say maybe I just uh, I dug up that joke. I'm Fred Gwynburn. Ooh. Fred Gwynburn. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Gwynburn. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, I mean, I'm also a contributor here at Consequence of Sound and the co-host of the Halloweenies uh, Freddy Krueger podcast mm-hmm. for this for this year, this yeah. season. 
Be sure to subscribe to that. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We saw that you guys, I actually popped into the reviews recently and it was exciting. There was a lot of recent reviews and some of them were very nice and some of them weren't. No, there was one that we got on uh, Losers Club that was uh, not so nice. Oh, very mean. Very, very, very mean. mean. My we, heart. You know, we don't pay enough credence to the nine out of ten to be very positive. <laughs> oh, they're all usually. And we positive. always like point out and single out the one jerk or the the, the person oh. doesn't want to hear like the the person that says something like, "I don't like him either," but I don't want to hear about oh, Trump. And like, oh, those are the oh, best. Oh, about ones. Mr. T. Yeah, Mr. T. Mr. Uh, T. Yeah, it's, get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's all good. We we appreciate your feedback, regardless. Although we'd really like y'all to bump us up back to a five average instead of a four point five. So please leave us a review. Please leave Halloweenies a review, and please leave. Your new Twilight Zone. Oh yes, the fifth dimension, uh, a Twilight Zone podcast, and uh, that's been a fun adventure as well. We just recorded our third episode. That's going to be, it should be out already. So nice, find it, Uh, check it out. Uh, Speaking of things that are going to happen on Friday, the day that this comes out, Mm -hmm. really quick before we get going, uh, what do we think the new Star Wars is going to be called? Oh, that's a good point. I think trailer's coming out Friday. Probably uh, Judge Revenge. (laughs) Judge Revenge. Yeah. No. From. I think the movie will be called Star Wars Galaxy Force. Ah, I like this. They're going to drop episode nine and just call it Star Wars Galaxy Force. What, what if they called it Star Wars Galaxy Edge just to promote the new theme park? Oh, and it has literally God. nothing to do with Oh, is that, is that what the theme park's called? Yeah. I think they should call it uh, Star Wars Laser Blast. Somebody somebody ah. said, uh, I think it was A Final Hope, and I kind of like that idea. I like that title to be. Oh, yeah, I was making fun of that in the thread. I think I they should call it Star Wars Episode Nine: The Final Chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be Star Wars Episode Nine: Jason Lives. How about Star Wars The Next Episode? <laughs> like the old Dre track from uh, 2000. What if it was called like Star Wars Episode 9 Chewbacca? Chewbacca. <laughs> Just... <laughs> And the, like the story the is the same. There's, they do not single out Chewbacca in any way. He he shows up just as much as he ever has. I know that's what I think is no so hero funny. moment. You know the sad thing is is that all the fans would come around to it. They'd be like, you finally, know, this like, Wookiee gets his time. Like, do you remember how odd and obscene Attack from the you know Attack of the Clones that you know felt when it get, got announced? But we've come around to it. I mean, at least some people. Attack of the Chewbacca. I don't think anybody's come around to Attack of the Clones. Everybody people hates still, them. People still say, "Oh, you mean clones?" Like that's oh clones. Yeah, I love clones. I think love clones. Clone oh, you high. mean Phantom? Phantom. <laughs> Guess who's going to be there? Uh, who's currently there right now? Uh, Ray Park? Since this is coming out on Friday. Well, Ray Park might be there, but uh, Mackenzie Gerber's there. So, oh, yeah. correspondent. Yeah. We've got a Losers Club correspondent. Maybe some King News will drop in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to be sharing. Well, they're not going to be on Apple. JJ's though. like, we're just going to show uh, the first episode of Lisey's Story, which we filmed uh, <laughs> an hour. Oh, oh, I might be jumping the gun there. We are jumping the gun a little bit. Well, I but. guess in, uh, in this sense, I think you should keep an eye on Mackenzie Gerber's tweets because he might be tweeting from Star Wars Celebration. And uh, we're also going to be talking about some tweets, but not Mackenzie's, Stephen King's. Welcome to Needful Tweets. He's not a human being. No! Don't you see what he's done? Please kill them all. Get God sort them out. Well, we've got a month's worth of tweets. Month's I think the last time that we went over them were in Dan's room. And just, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's and a, just a lot has happened. Yeah. And just to remind you all, we're, we don't touch on every King tweet with needful tweets these days. We just kind of highlight some things. Yeah. And can I ask you if this March 10th tweet is real? It's real. So Stephen King is officially dad joke king. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing it for years, but uh, I'll kick this off. Um, March 10th. 
Uh, it was Chuck Norris's birthday. King tweeted, There is no theory of evolution, just a list of animals Chuck Norris allows to live. If you can see Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris sees you. If you don't see Chuck Norris, you may be seconds away from death. And so did he put that they were from the joke book? Yes. Because <laughs> then in parentheses it says from the Chuck Norris jokes website. Now, Wait, I was trying to remember. actually a thing? www.chucknorrisjokes.com? Well, I want to say it was what? 2004, 2005 when that was trending on the internet? Yeah. God, that's like such a long time ago. That was around the time of uh, John Kerry running for president. That was. He was a really good candidate, too. Let's well, that's on. the last that we're going to talk about <laughs> politics. It all goes to time. Barry Goldwater was around back then. Uh, Justo, you want to take this next This next section, the Stamp of King. Oh, the Stamp of King. This, is, a, this is, is the longest section for He's sure. repping some books here. Yeah, this so, is all his well, I, approvals. I thought this was all Postal Service related. Oh, I wish. Uh, um, March 4th. By the way, my Tesla is currently getting 22,000 miles to the gallon. Mechanical problems? Zero. Is that and a then somebody? No, he's just happy about it. No, he's just happy. And then somebody replied... And how much coal is burned to make this green miracle move? What an asshole. I know. <laughs> I would love to find out that douchebag's name. Um, then Stephen King responded. I think it was Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> it was Eric Trump trolling uh, uh, Stephen we King. We won't actually mention Trump tweets, but we will mention Trump <laughs> during this segment. And then King responded, I get the juice that powers my Tesla from solar. Let me amend that. We get a credit from Central Maine Power because we sell them solar. It's not a huge deal. But it's a start. Why are we share this? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a fun opportunity to, to talk about his Tesla, which is, I believe, uh, oh, no, 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 I was thinking brand. of a Prius. That's what Larry David drives. Never mind. Uh, you want to do this next one, Mike? Yeah, sure. Uh, March 7th, he retweeted Ethan J. King. Uh, so he's given him a little stamp. And Ethan wrote, I think everyone should have the experience of, of bear. I think everyone should have the experience of barricading yourself in a room to write something with a, headline, with a deadline approaching. There's something fun about it, even though the concept is stressful. Hmm. So it's like a little more on writing for King. That's okay. All right. Yeah. Same day, mm. he quoted Darren Frannick of Entertainment Weekly. Hmm, I wonder how he knows him. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Entertainment Weekly over here. The Good Fight returns on March 14th. That was a long time ago. Yeah. The new season is indescribably wonderful. So let me try to describe it. And then King said, of course, it's the best show on TV. <laughs> I what hear about this. the passage? <laughs> the passage is number two. <laughs> I hear this, that the good fight's great. I yeah, never I've watched it. That. I never watched The Good Wife, but these are actually supposed to be good shows. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. It's, good. And it's on CBS All Access as well. So That's true. And I'm in, like in the Twilight Zone, so there you we'll go. see. You want to take March 10th? I will. Long time, this is me saying this, long time Entertainment Weekly critic, but I don't know where he works now. Owen Gleiberman is both right and wrong. As someone who grew up far from anything resembling an art house, I can tell you that Netflix has been a great thing. You guys in the big cities get everything. I was stuck with Police Academy 3. And then, and then, <laughs> I'm getting response from people who liked Police Academy 3. <laughs> you guys are going to love Police Academy meets the children of the corn. That's, that's pretty, that's not bad. That's I not do want to say, um, I do, I, I liked the Police Academy movies when I was growing up. I, I watched... I started watching the first one about a year ago, which is a rewatch. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hold up. They don't. Woo! Um, it's wow, surprise. Talk about some think I just do oh, like. Yeah. I oh do my like god! The, uh, the flood of Police Academy three defenders and Stephen King. <laughs> well, ding, ding 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 ding! The notifications keep dinging. Like, what a fucking sad life. Sorry, yeah. that was hey. mean. <laughs> and by the way, I w- it's Police Academy three back in training. I believe. Didn't is have that what it is? Is Gutenberg in that one, or did he? He leave? sure is. He's in the first four, Mike. Oh wow. 
great. I prefer post Gutenberg. I'm Gut splaining over here. You can have a police academy pod. Oh, I, I would them. love to dissect that. It'd be me and like five women just talking about the, the problems of police academy. And you could spin that off and talk about Porky's. So mm. you know, next I bet week. you prob- I, bet, I bet you police academy is more problematic than Porky's at this point. I'm not kidding. Oh, you, I agree. you won't believe yeah. the stuff they do in this movie. Even I had to turn it off. Oh my god, uh, I, I watch anything. Mike, next one. On March 10th, he retweeted Tanana Reeve Du, which uh, she had shared an article uh, about the passage, <laughs> which is uh, her, her article is Why Fox's Biting Vampire Drama Thrives Thanks to Working Moms. So he's still repping the passage. Well, two things here. One, since he's retweeting her, that means he's seen that we interviewed her. You might have. So he needs to get on the pod. We're one, we're one step closer. <laughs> That's the step I'm taking yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, he knows we exist. Um, and do listen to our episode with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a few episodes back. It was very good. Um, and I read this article about this because I was like, wait a minute, somebody's saying good things about the passage. And I'll say this. They aren't really. It was more of an article where uh, it seemed just more about the idea of having working moms in a in the writing room yeah. for a show, which is cool. Yeah. And it was like kind of an argument for why that's OK and why that's rare in Hollywood. A lot of working moms like have been shit on by, you know, Hollywood in that sense. Mm. And so it's an interesting piece in that regard. But um, I don't think anybody would agree the the biting vampire drama is thriving. Yeah, I haven't heard much about it other than from King. Uh, I, so, I think the show bites, to be honest. <laughs> Awful. Uh, once bitten. Uh, once bitten. Which also bites. Uh, March 11th, he quoted uh, the great Bev Vincent. He said, I just finished season two. Wait, what is he talking about? Well, Bev Vincent wrote. Oh, Border Town. Yeah. He wrote, okay, so Bev Vincent said, I just finished season two, so I'm glad to hear this. Series three of Border Town now filming in Finland. And King said, I have to get me some of this. <laughs> what is Border Town? Probably another fucking Don Winslow thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> No, no Winslow quotes. No. Although I'm reading The Power of the Dog at this moment in time, and I'll have to say... Very good. Very good. Oh, awesome. Uh, Justo? Okay, so let me read this tweet from March 22nd. It's a retweet of a mini driver tweet. Ah, Google Hunting. A small driver. I ju- Gross point blank. Big driver. <laughs> Who would win, baby driver versus mini driver? Um, I think depends, the big driver It depends on what mini driver's driving. <laughs> mini driver wrote, I just met an influencer. What do you influence, I asked her. I influenced your decision about which handbag to buy. I said, I have handbags older than you. She said, great. I'll tell you which bags are worth the most and you can make some money. I am now in a bar. Pretty funny. Now, what's strange is, and I'm not joking, today, Mini Driver randomly replied to something I tweeted out a couple months ago. What? Is this insane? Keep, keep, uh, keep, keep vamping here. How the the hell did that happen? Okay. Well, 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 a couple months ago, no, I'll find A couple months ago, I tweeted out how much, I, I think I wrote... Return to Me came out in, in the year 2000. Oh, yes. Therefore making it the most underrated movie of the century. I remember that. I love, I love Return to Me. Mm-hmm. Never and heard so she, of it. she liked it and retweeted it a couple months ago. Okay. But, but my God, today she decided to respond to it. So this, I, I tweeted doing? this out. In, uh, no, I, November of last year. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a while ago. What are the ago. chances of this? Yeah. So then she finally wrote... Um, this is exciting. Oh, she wrote, I feel like it's so beloved by those who saw it that that love mitigates its underratedness. And then she wrote sick as in S-I-C, like it's not an actual word. So. So, wow. She, so she agrees. And people, did you people tag were her in the post? Did I tag yeah. her in the post? I must have tagged her in the yeah. post. No, you had I tagged her in David Duchovny. And uh, Duchovny loves that movie. You thirsty little bitch. Yeah. Hey, 
Hey, you she got responded, that, and you got that I got 141 likes and a bunch of retweets. That's impressive. I've got 2,000 followers now. Holy I'm shit. kidding. I'm kidding. But a lot of people seem to agree with me. I, I just thought that was really strange timing that we would be talking about Mini Driver tweet and she would respond. I, I will say, out of all the questions that I asked Duchovny in the what was it, the ten years interview that we did for Consequence of Sound last year when he released his, uh, his second album, he was he responded the most to the Return to Me question. It's a great movie, yeah, great movie. Because he won- never he was, heard. We it. were wondering where uh, Bonnie Hunt's been. So ah, I love uh, Bonnie Hunt. You know, she wrote and directed and started. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a good date night for you and Jen. Yeah. Oh, all right. I think so. I think I'll show, try to show her Devil's Rejects again. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't go yeah, over follow, so well Followed up with time. 31. <laughs> it was fun. I just realized that all of us are going to go see the midnight screening of Three from Hell this year. Yes. <laughs> Look, we're, absolutely. We're, we're, we're in this Dragula and we're riding it till the end. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you want to grab the next one? Yeah, t- totally. Um, so on April 3rd, mm. he wrote, I'm reading Karimara. The new novel by Thomas Harris comes out next month. He's as good as ever. Reading his prose is like running a slow hand down cold silk. It's like Hannibal Lecter reading well, a tweet. Hey, running, uh, running an Eric Clapton down cold silk. <laughs> an Eric Clapton. Okay. Slow hand. <laughs> that joke was ah! <laughs> a slow burn. Oh, man, I love it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what. I don't I know forgot if Thomas Harris is writing books. Yeah, well, it's a fiction book, too, but I read the plot. Mm-hmm. This reads like Da Vinci Code. Is I'm it Hannibal? I'm not kidding. It sounds pretty bad. It's no, it's not Hannibal. It's Well, if that's a twist, like Hannibal is. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it is. I hope Clarice comes out. It's him caught up in a Da Vinci Code type situation, and <laughs> well, he's the hero. Kari Mora is an anagram for Hannibal. <laughs> Ah, good point. I just love it if he pops up at like the you know ah you the very me. end. <laughs> oh, I am the Barney. I'm the mythical Karimara. <laughs> um, April fourth, Pet Cemetery opens tonight. They don't come back the same. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> man, uh, Justo, rocking Randall Colburn over here, roaring Randall. A mere nineteen hours ago, as of this recording. Yeah. Cemetery Road by Greg Isles. Pure reading pleasure. This guy knows the Deep South as well or better than any other novelist. He's talked about this author before, and I've also heard great things about this author. He's got a series of books um, that take place, as, you, as I just mentioned, in the Deep South. Well, hey, I, I would love to read anything, uh, but hey, I'm stuck in King's Dominion for at least the next five years. So hey, I, got, well. I got that David Lynch memoir that I read about like a, you know 150 pages of last year and couldn't even finish, couldn't ah, finish it in time. So. What, what can I tell you? Molly Watch. I'll oh, read, I love Molly Watch. Uh, woof, woof. March 29th, he wrote, I took Molly, a.k.a. the thing of evil, to an advanced screening of Pet Cemetery. She didn't come back the same. And <laughs> there's a photo of Church that he photoshopped Molly's <laughs> face on. And cute. I would love it to just watch him do this on his computer. Hey, Tabby, look what I did. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, you know, working on his laptop from like, maybe like a bar, like the bar stool, like um, in his kitchen or something. And they're like, what are the odds that he did this? <laughs> I would love it. I hope that he did it. And like, hope- not like an assistant or a family member. Like, what are the odds that he actually sat? I think sat he did and- do it because it looks really shitty. And I think he's it was just like, look what I did. I did a thing on the computer. And I would love uh. it if he used the same thing I use, which is online photo editor. And uh, now they have uh-huh. a, it's called the Pixlr X or whatever. That's what I used for the uh, Lisi story uh, feature image that I did with Julian Moore. 
I use it every day, and hopefully hey, King does me, too. Do me a favor, seriously. Send me that. Uh, is it a link or what is it? Is it software? What is, yeah. What's going on? Yeah. You want to use it? Yeah, I'll use it. It's I'll, fun. I'll have some fun times with that. It's an easy to go, uh, easy to go, easy to use um, <laughs> Adobe Photoshop, and we're not at all sponsored by this, but uh, we should be. Well, get some yeah, money. Thank you very much, Dolby. Yeah. Deep thoughts by Stephen King, mm. March eighth. Geekdom at its very best. What do you think of the theory that the mountain kaiju is actually Rockmotul? This question may keep me awake at night. If only we had Dan. Wait, what? I don't know what any of this if is. We only had Dan. What Dan, does this mean? Dan oh, knows all about the kaiju. Is this a Godzilla thing? I think so. A mountain kaiju. Uh, hmm. Well, let's move well, on. We're moving on. I'm sure we got some listeners screaming at the phone. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's also like, Police Academy 3 is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And also, oh, Donald I, Trump is a good president. <laughs> He's a wonderful president. Um, March 10th. <laughs> I don't like Trump, but I wish you guys would stop talking about him. March 10th. Wondering how many prescription drugs hawked on TV have suicidal thoughts and or ideations in their list of possible side effects. Probably all of them. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful out there, Kevin. Be careful. Uh, March 25th. According to my 365 facts that will scare the shit out of you daily calendar, Slumber Party Barbie once came with a book titled How to Lose Weight. The visible text reads, don't eat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that real? I, I, I would I don't not know. be that's, surprised. That's, that's crazy, like though. a 1959 model or something. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Don't ask me. I'm just a girl. Okay. Actually, I want to do this one because I, I, I have a... I have a little Venom with this. Ooh, so, Venom, a um, great movie. A great movie. I, I was supposed to watch that on an airplane, and uh, the stream didn't work, and everyone around me was watching Tom it. Tom Hardy is amazing. I'm dying to watch it. Zone. <laughs> so March 26, he wrote, how about a movie where Mary Poppins turns out to be a serial killer? Think how exciting that would be. The umbrella, the umbrella could have, like, a machete inside. Now, two notes about this. This sounds as if he is literally laying on his couch, stoned out of his fucking mind, and he's just thought about Mary Poppins. It's that one last line. The umbrella could have like a machete inside. Now, I saw this the second it was posted. And I immediately retwe- uh, you know, replied to him with the Scary Mary trailer because I was a huge fan of those fake trailers when they first came out. I was going to so, mention that. I was going to mention that. And uh, so, I was, so the fact that he then replied back saying he retweeted Daisy No Nazi Steiner. Uh, I guess I just need to be expressively liberal in my uh, my uh, usernames. <laughs> I have a feeling um, this person would love our podcast. Yeah, he probably would. Uh, he he uh, tweeted. <laughs> that's true. Uh, he tweeted. Someone had the idea before me. Even made a trailer. Scary Mary. Now, Stephen, I know you don't listen to this podcast. Maybe you do, but I replied to you with this, so it makes me. And think- you're verified. I am very. That means he sees so it. he had to have seen it. Hey, scary hey do you want the rest verified? of my? Hey, do you want the rest oh, of my Gatorade? No Nazis. No Nazis. Because you seem pretty thirsty over there. I know. I am thirsty. <laughs> I just want because here's the thing. I've been asking him two questions. One, I asked him how what he thinks about Major League, um, because because there's actually a connection. <laughs> he probably there hates you. He probably does hate me. And I, we keep asking him about the mask, and I just want him to know. We uh, have not asked about the mask in over a year. We got to do it again then. I will. All right, I promise. Well, All right. that's our that's our guarantee. Uh, going out of uh, needful tweets. That's the LCG, the Loose Club guarantee. Loose Club guarantee. And just as we do in every needful tweets episode, we guarantee you a trip to Hollywood. And that's where we're going. We're going to Hollywood King. There's a town on the coast of Del Sol. Always find my way there. There's a place that the calls to my soul. Always find my way there. People there are forever young, forever young And they toast to each other's love each and every night 
Oh, God, it is so sunny here, <clears throat> and we have to stay outside for a very long time because we have so many fucking... I wish I had prescription sunglasses because... I feel like the sun's going to burn my uh, retinas right off. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll I'll kick things off here. The Talisman's Tale. Hey, I've heard of that. For decades, Steven Spielberg has tried adapting Stephen King's The Talisman, and he's come close in recent years. We talked about this uh, a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty-seven Was that 2017? Yeah. God, yeah. how long have we been doing this? Well, Josh Boone was hot at the time. Uh, he still is. Very good-looking man. Uh, in 2017, he even tapped Josh Poon. 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 <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> what time I'm is it? I'm derailing this. Uh, he tapped Josh Boone to pen the screenplay, which led everyone to believe the fantasy novel might actually be a reality. It will be, though Spielberg won't be at the camera and Boone won't be at the typewriter either. According to Collider, his own Amblin imprint has hired the Handmaid Tale director Mike Baker to helm the project from a screenplay by Buried's Chris Sparling. That is a weird combo of Yes, people. especially since Buried takes place entirely in a box and this movie is supposed to take place in this sprawling across the entire country yeah Yeah. i liked buried um when i saw it uh but yeah that's just weird i mean has he written anything else of note i don't know i I can i can speak on behalf of mike baker who did direct a lot of handmaid's tale episodes um the show is an absolute dour it's (laughs) Heading down the road to disaster, I'll say that much. About the show, but I will say, do you still watch it? It does look really good. Yeah, I, I, yeah, of course. At this point, I'm, I'm, I'm in it to the end. It should have ended You're about the Dragula. halfway through the second season. Would you call? Would you call The Handmaid's Tale the Walking Dead of dramas right now? Um, I'm no, not there yet because the performances are good. And there's still a storytelling technique involved. It's only two seasons in. Yeah, it's only two seasons. And the first season was really good. I'll put it this way. The book ends when the first season ends. It's one of those situations. Well, you know, Margaret Atwood's got a sequel to the book coming out. Well, that's good that she that. finished it before the second season. So, Well, this is um, going to be years no, this is actually later. the third this season. Is, this I know. Is, I'm just, this oh, is truly going to be a sequel to the book, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, interesting. So, yeah, it's. It, I think it's weird. It's not. I don't think it bodes well. Um, I mean, maybe, the, maybe Mike Baker will be great, but it's just kind of like... It just sounds like they went from the A team to the B team, um, or more so the C team. Um, and although I don't know if we can say Josh Boone is A team because the guy never releases movies. Um, <laughs> it's true, and we haven't seen much uh, from outside of Fall of the Stars, right? Like that was it. Yeah, that's it. Because I wouldn't. Well, he's obviously doing the stand. Yeah, he's doing that's the, the stand big right thing. Now. Yeah, um, but then New Mutants is going to come out. They confirm that, which is nice. Uh, two yeah, years later, I know it's being dumped though, right? Uh, they, yeah, I it mean, it sounds like it might be a VOD situation. Well, they said crazy. at CinemaCon that it's definitely coming out. Um, but they, yeah, so they made it sound like it might be a, a theater release, but at, I like Maisie Williams response. She's like, I don't know when it's fucking coming out. She said they hadn't even done reshoots yet. And that was like a couple weeks ago. And so I don't know. They got to get on that. Well, and, it's, it's, it's reached a point now where the entire franchise is expired. So what's the point? I know. Like, I mean, well, this could be the beginning of a new direction for the franchise. And I mean, mm. the thing is, I still think it could be cool. Yeah. Um, like I'm trying to keep my hopes up about it because I love the idea of it. Yeah. And yeah. So but I mean, all these all this stuff and it, I just Boone must be the most frustrated dude. Because oh, I he's, imagine he's doing so much work and it feels like nothing is happening. Well, hey, and, he finally got his wish. So he's, well, he's be doing, doing the, the stand, stand and it's going to happen. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see how it turns out but yeah so anyways um oh, I, I wanted to say I, I would much rather see the talisman at this point on hulu or something yeah yeah 
I think, series. and I think that's something we can discuss. Like after all these headlines, is is yeah, we'll where do. We'll save that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but one of the things that I think is disappointing about this is that you know if this was a passion project for Spielberg and he opted out of that for this random West Side Story remake, yeah, that makes me think even less of the guy at this point. Because well, he was never going to direct it though. He wanted to do it for for, for a couple of years. Though. He was always going to produce it. He was never on board to direct it. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I really don't understand his mentality for like. Well, I don't think he should be doing West Side Story anyway. Well, I mean, I don't know what should the hell be doing. I don't it's, it's such a lose lose situation. Well, it's kind of like the idea of like if someone came up with this theory that they should do a prequel of Grease or something. I'll be what monster would think of that? Yeah, um, Christ. So, should we move on? Yes, let's move on. Uh, the gunslinger oh, followed yeah, the sure. man in black again. again. Again, Amazon has tapped both Sam Strike from Mind Flyers and Jasper Pekanen. I might have been right on that, by the way. I think the you pronunciation. are. That's actually pretty good. Uh, he was one of the I scumbags in Black Klansman for their forthcoming series being developed by Glenn Mazara from The Walking Dead and The Shield. Strike will play Roland Deschain, a.k.a. the gunslinger, who will follow Perkannon's Man in Black. For a while, the project was thought to be lost to Midworld, seeing how there hadn't been any movement since last April, when a since-deleted tweet confirmed that Amazon was still green on the show. Ooh, I remember hopping now, on that. Yeah. Oh, we were excited. Now, however, it appears that there are still other worlds than these. Clever. Literally, in fact, as Variety's sources indicated, this new series will be complete reboot, separate from the theatrical film, as initially reported. And more aligned with the books. Now, if you heard that rumble just now, <laughs> that's the fan base screaming in applause. Yeah, so you don't have to read the, the next part. I just yeah, well, the next literally was copying and pasting you know, my it's articles. It's too bad that this all just goes back. It's too bad Elba didn't get a better yeah. shot with that movie, but it was inevitable that they were going to distance themselves as much as possible from that disaster zone yeah. of the movie. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's, I'm curious about these actors. I don't know anything about them. I mean, I well, saw Black Klansman, but yeah. I don't remember this guy. Well, he's great in Black Klansman. Yeah, he really is good in Black Klansman. And he's Klansman. terrifying in it. I, he's the I, one that, um, that puts Adam Driver in the basement. We, we heard rumors Nobody for a while puts now. Baby in a corner. Nobody puts Nobody Adam Driver in the basement. We heard rumors for a while that this is gonna harken back to like the Wizard, Wizard and Glass type storyline with a younger Roland, which I think is probably the right thing to do anyway. So I feel we've just talked about this so much over the last couple of years. I don't even know what else to add, even well, though this is actual news. The, th- the thing is that I will say is that I feel like they need to cast an older gunslinger as well. In the future? And, yeah, because I feel like you have to start off with that image of them still chasing each other in the desert without having to start off. Oh, the I just got a Twitter alert. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what happened? <laughs> Mini Driver is reporting that... <laughs> Uh, Nick Nolte will be playing old <laughs> Roland. Oh my god! Oh, so this is exciting. Me, It'll be him in the Hawaiian shirt with the crazy hair from his mother. Oh, oh, fucking name. Oh, your name's Jake. <laughs> like, I, I lost I him. A, I lost. I had him. a Jake on my my uh, basketball team. Uh, Rips his tooth out for you. Out for your, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, we've talked so much about this. It's interesting to see some actual movement uh, here, but we it's the details are still really scarce, so we don't yeah. know where it's going to go. So, I mean, um, I think there'll be a, a bigger press release in our near future and amazon still hasn't like formally announced anything right yeah, that's, that's what so i thought was weird. really striking was the casting news came before anything had really been announced i mean it's one of those where the, there's been so many like hints that have dropped that it's happening but there's still been no official confirmation well you've read all these books so you should probably take this next story nope. uh monsieur mercedes <laughs> uh three mogul vroom vroom I was all bore out there. Oh, Mr. Mercedes nice. has Very added nice. three recurring guest stars to the upcoming third season on the AT&T Audience Network. Kate Mulgrew, 
I feel like I know that name. She was the captain on Star Trek Voyager. No, I don't watch and she shit. was the, the, the cook in Orange is the New Black. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Red. I know her. Uh, she'll play Alma Lane, a lifelong resident of Bridgeton, Ohio. As somebody who's read the books, I do don't remember that character. Mm. Uh, Brett Gelman is Roland. Brett Gelman. Love Gelman. He's playing Roland Deshane. Oh, oh. Roland Finkelstein. <laughs> ah, Roland. I see what they did there. A what if Roland? A passionate defense attorney uh, working with the character of Lou, uh, who's played by Brita Wool, is very talented in her murder trial. That's, Spoiler alert. That's totally new. Oh, okay. Well, they got to make a series, I guess. Yeah, like, Lou's character is... A, I feel like they, they realized they had a really good actress in that role, um, and they kind of beefed up her role a little bit, because Lou's, Lou's good in the, in the book, but... Yeah, they they're, they've been giving her a lot more in the series, which is good because she's great. I, I promise to finish the first and second season. I, I promise this yeah. will happen. Thank you. It's just Thank an issue of promise. I need to get this. It's only on the audience network, right? Get ready to really get confused in about a year when there's like multiple streaming networks and you have to juggle them left and right. Listen, I know there's some big rep out there from the audience network. Can you give us a screener? We'll be happy to talk about the show. What's going on? I'm still trying to get screeners for Cobra Kai, and YouTube's press people are like the most elusive people. We're so getting screeners some... from these other major networks and studios. I know, we can't. I know. With, uh, what, what are you doing over there, DirecTV? They're busy dealing with white nationalism. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> oh, YouTube. YouTube. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, okay, okay. And Natalie Paul will play Sarah Pace, a prosecutor on Lou's case. So it's the Lou Show, season three. Which I'm Natalie fine Paul with. sounds familiar. Hold on. Um, we're going to take a look at Natalie Paul. On well, sorry, breaking news. Breaking Natalie news. Paul. Mini driver reports. Natalie Paul, very <laughs> talented actress. Natalie Paul will be working with Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Oh no. Oh oh, she was on the Deuce, Randall. Season oh. season three. She was. Um, what's what's yep, the girlfriend? Her. Yeah. Did you yeah. say season three of the Deuce? It doesn't even come out. Or yet. season two. Okay. She'll probably be in season three also. I like the first season of the Deuce. It took me a year and a half to finish it, and it's then very good. The second season good. will probably take another year. And I half. like season two. Um, so, so this yeah. is going to be following Fire's Keepers. So I haven't read that one. And uh, are you, did you say that was a good one? Or I, I like Finders Keepers. Okay. I liked it too. They but the way they did the series was I haven't finished the second season, but. They kind of were telling the story from the third book mm-hmm. because they're more directly related. And that's end of watch? Yeah. Yes. Okay, and okay. so I think I they haven't mentioned, I don't think, whether or not the set the third season is gonna be about the second book because this every all the characters that have been announced here are all are all uh, fabricated for this loose storyline, which sounds cool. Well, I hope um, the fourth season's Cujo. Better be. <laughs> just, like, what if it turns into it's, an anthology series? What if it's just a pair? It's just a description of Cujo. Yeah. Donna Treadway goes to a, <laughs> a nearby. Uh, it's like the whole thing is just a breakdown. Uh, okay. Well, uh, okay, Mike, you want to take this? Next return one? to Castle Rock, uh, but also Salem's Lot and Misery. Oh, this is huge news. Oof, this is a big one, and I'm probably going to spiral down to a, a huge discussion from it. But we've known this for months now, but uh, Hulu's Castle Rock was going to return we didn't know when and we didn't know how now we have all the details and once again showrunners sam shaw and dustin thomason have found a new story to tell within the world of stephen king yes the second season is going to go and follow misery villain annie wilkes as she stumbles into the titular town where warring feud is going down involving the legendary merrill family and a fragile piece of land that happens to cut into salem's lot as expected, the second season features another A-list cast and Lizzie Kaplan as Wilkes, Tim, Tim Robbins as Reginald Pop Merrill, Double Woo. Garrett Hedlund, uh, former uh, Kirsten Dunst uh, boyfriend, as John Ace Merrill. <laughs> I like that casting, though. Uh, Elsie yeah. Elsie Fisher from Eighth Grade, who's wonderful, as Wilkes' homeschooled teenage daughter, Joy. Uh, Yusro Warsama as Dr. Nadia Omar in Nearby Salem's Lot. Mm. And uh, Barkad Abdi as Omar's brother, 
Abdi. No. Okay. As himself. Uh, and, and then Mathan, uh, As Captain Philip Star. Yeah. An Cap- Oscar nominee. And uh, Matthew Allen as Ace's brother, Chris. There's no release date yet. I don't know if this is going to come out in 2019. They were trying to, but it's probably going to be 2020. It's got to be like, I'll say spring 2020 sounds about right. Yeah. First, so, first reaction when you heard this news. Uh, what are they doing? Yeah. My reaction was, I, I, this sounds, first of all, it sounds like two seasons in one. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I know that the big pull will be Annie Wilkes because that's just the most famous in terms of popular culture. But I, I'm much more interested in just if it was just bared down to the the Meryl yes. Salem's last storyline. I wish that Annie wasn't a part of it. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously, we're going to watch it. We'll be open minded. But this just literally struck me as fan fiction. Mm-hmm, like yeah. I'm I was like, like I was almost excited at first because you, you know, just like the parts of your brain, they hear certain things. And Lizzie like, Kaplan's I, a great actress. Yeah. I love Lizzie. But Kaplan. I hear like misery and I hear Salem's lot and I hear. Uh, uh, the Merrills, the Sundog. It's all well. It's all these stories though that I love and these characters that I love. But then I'm just like, wait, together? Like, and it just really struck me as like, well, how can we bring together as much King shit as possible? And also, that's, Annie Wilkes has no reason to be anywhere near this. Well, so they're like, rewriting her history, yeah, which to, is for this story, which is very bizarre. Yeah. And honestly. Lizzie Kaplan is a very good actress. That's not young Annie. No. Like, I, I don't want to be a dick, but it's just like she's like a supermodel. It's yeah. like you can't cast that as Annie. Like, part of Annie's thing is that she is a normal, everyday woman yes. who doesn't have anything else. Mm-hmm. And she's lonely as hell. And she's like, you know, the kind of person that doesn't, I don't know. It, it, it's like she is such a formidable, shapeless presence in the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it just struck me as very strange casting. I'm excited for it. I love her as an actress. This, um, just, this just seems to be more in line with that button ending. Yeah. The than, Jackie Torrance than, than anything else in the first season. Cause what I loved about that first season is that really Pangborn was the only tie to the past other than the, you know, the illusions that they talk about in the town and whatnot. And, you know, the Dodd residents and the mentions of all the other past events and stuff. But, that's what I loved about it. It was it's set in modern day, so you could get removed from all the source material, but still build upon that source material. But this is like going back into the past, and it, it's yeah. just it's fucking confusing. And or maybe they're not even going back in the past, and they're just assuming that Annie Wilkes was it's modern day and yeah. I younger. Think I think one of these press releases mentioned it was the 70s or 80s, Okay, I want to say. But regardless, this also seems like a case of be careful what you wish for, because I do feel there were a lot of people, even a lot of our listeners were upset that there, it didn't lean more heavily into the king lore. And now yeah. you're going to get it, but you're going to get a lot of it. So. And I remember a, right. lot, well, a lot of the thing we talked about when we were before the series kind of soured for us was it felt like King, even though it mm-hmm. wasn't King. Yes. Like the, the story beats felt familiar. The world felt familiar. The characters felt familiar, even if they weren't exactly those exactly. characters. That's what I really liked about that first season of of that. And I think that's why I had such a negative reaction to this, because I'm just like, this feels like fan fiction. It mm-hmm. feels like you're just roping people into the same place so you can put them all in the same room together. Well, I'm wondering if that's from coming down from somewhere else, that they're yeah. like, look, you need to go further, de- you it's know, further down. It's like, gotta is be like, this has gotta be or something. Again, yeah. you know, this casting, this cast is just outright Top-notch, amazing. Yeah. And, and Tim Robbins coming back to Stephen King, obviously. Which is kind of confusing considering the fact that this does take place in the world of Shawshank, which they've <laughs> yeah, already Yeah, but, you know, I don't, I'm fine with that. Uh, I doubt you'll see Shawshank that much in this series. But this, I will say that. Yeah, in terms of the Merrill family, like Ace Merrill is one of my top yeah. characters and top three in the entire universe. Pop Merrill's a, a fascinating character. Uh, we don't see him too much, but he's uh, one of the leads in the Sundog, which is a decent story, but he's a good character. And um, 
And I don't know. I'm intrigued by what they're doing with Jerusalem's lot. Like, is this a post vampire town? Are you even going to touch on the vampires in it? Like, and then I also just wonder because, you know, Ace Merrill's a major character. This is going to be a younger version of Ace. um, I think like probably in his late twenties, early thirties. This sounds to me in terms of just the, the publications of Stephen King's works that this, if this takes place in the late sixties, then this would be before Salem's lot turns to hell. Yeah. Yeah, if, if they I guess. go because you know, obviously, if Ace is in his twenties and he was in his teens in the late fifties, that yeah. would stand the reason. Yeah, and then I, yeah, so this would be before Needful Things, which Ace is a big part of. So I don't know. It's just like I'm intrigued. I like the casting. I like Garrett Hedlund. Is that because I don't it, like Garrett Hedlund to me is not a very good actor, but he's so striking. Like I remember in um like the best use of him I remember was in uh Lewin Davis. I was gonna say, uh, and I, I could yeah. see him as Ace just yeah, doing same. that. Yeah, yeah I think he'll sullen. be great as that. Yeah. yeah, like and you need that look, you need that like charisma, you need that sort of bad boy quality, and that's what he, Garrett Hedlund has like more than like almost any other sort of like modern actor. He's not gonna win any awards, but he's <laughs> always he's always very striking. What if uh, Sam Shaw and, and Dustin Thomas were like, we saw Tron Legacy. <laughs> and we realized we had to have Garrett Hedlund. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still optimistic that it'll be interesting because yeah. I mean, look, that episode seven, the Queen was still oh, just phenomenal, yeah, just phenomenal television. Uh, you, know, you still have those look, minds that are making this, so I'm sure there's going to be some great TV that's up. To if head. this was the first season and we didn't know what these yeah. guys were capable of, I'd be even more wary. But I, you know, I'm I'm willing to. Be a little, little more optimistic than I usually am when it comes to these. Things. I just—it's just the Wilkes in, inclusion. I agree. No, I agree. Nuts. I agree. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. There's literally nothing we can do. <laughs> it's gonna. I know. This, it is. <laughs> That's the thing, guys. Get now. Get in touch with us. Before Let's send you him do a this. tweet. Tell him Please. we're on. Can you guys write Annie out of the show? <laughs> Please. Um, let's move on. Justo. Sure. There we go. Creep show adds some creeps. Ooh, rude. <laughs> rude. <laughs> rude. But the jerks. <laughs> Shudder is keeping things in the family for its forthcoming TV show, TV series adaptation of Stephen King and George A. Romero's Creep Show. Today, they've let loose some very exciting details that should no doubt please many constant readers in King's Dominion. Now, it should be noted that I've copied and pasted these uh, articles strictly from Consequence of Sound, so oh. they the, the and, today, I memorized, and I memorized it. Yeah, I'm not reading anything right now. Yeah, right. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll get back to my, where I was. <clears throat> First up, <laughs> it's been announced that showrunner Greg Nicotero. Will adapt King's harrowing night shift short story Gray Matter, which is something we did not know about. No. We were right? talking about this the no. last time, and that of course tells an icy tale involving a troubled son, his alcoholic father, and a deadly case of beer. Brewskies, brewskies. Pass me a brew, bro. <laughs> Things get messy to say the least. <laughs> I love how you're just reading it word for word. It's just, just, I'm just, I'm hyping everything. But that's not all. The episode will feature the one and only Adrian Barbeau. Love Adrian Barbeau, who returns to the franchise over three decades after she starred in the 1982 original. Of course, she went toe-to-toe with Fluffy, and arguably that movie's strongest chapter, The Crate. I, I think we that. put that as number one in our yeah. uh, I love uh, the ranking. Terrific stuff. Mm-hmm. Gets even better, folks. Joining Barbeau for will assuredly be a slimy ride <laughs> are two other stars. You ready for this? Break, bring it. Why am I ready? I've literally got it in front of me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but are the listeners ready? Uh, go for it. Breaking Bad's Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Gus. And Saw's Tobin I better, Bell. I think you mean Better Call Saul's Giancarlo. Of course. Esposito. That's Incredible. true. I don't know what's going to happen next on that show. Uh, Saw's Tobin Bell I'm actually yes. excited about because I like him a lot. Two men, obviously, with a resume of playing iconic villains I, I, and will be an easy fit into the Creepshow lore. I will say Tobin Bell's favorite role for me still is Seinfeld. 
He's so good in that. Oh, isn't he the guy who sells the? Uh, He's the pawn shop, pawn shop guy. Yeah. The, the sweaters, I, whatever. I feel like Tobin Bell. Tobin Bell's like I've seen him in a few kind of offbeat comedies, like since the Saw movies. I feel like he's you know he he made so much money on the Saw movies probably that he can kind of just chill a little bit. And uh, and he's taken some really kind of strange offbeat roles, and it's been fun. And but the thing is, he goes way back, like before he was, you know, Jigsaw. He mm-hmm. was he, he was, was in X Files too. Well, yeah, he was the, in the stuff smoking throughout the eighties, the seventies too. Like he did a random roles in AV Club, and it was really good. I hear so. he's actually playing old Roland <laughs> in the <laughs> no, Amazon Stark Tower. But if series. you want to talk about, like, if I think of Gray Matter and like the old drunks, yeah, sort of I think bar, he's Tobin Bill's a great look yeah, for it, and I think absolutely. Giancarlo is too. Like, I agree. There's those are two. I think that's really great casting. I don't know who's Adrian Barbeau. I don't know. Maybe well, she works at the bar. She's, maybe she's the drunk dad. I'm yeah, not sure who she's playing, but I bet she got some quotes from her right here. <laughs> her quotes were so boring. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's let the listeners be the judge of that. <laughs> Rock and Randall. Coming in hot. Uh, Miss Barbeau says, oh, so as I said. Uh, oh, just read the fucking quote. <laughs> Marmo- Marmosa. Marmosa. I was thrilled when Greg asked me to join the Creep Show world once again. And then working with Tobin and Giancarlo, with Greg as our director, well, that was the icing on the cake. No, not that cake. Oh, you know what I mean. That's a good, that's a fun That's quote. a pretty good bit. I have to report it's the Father's on Day so reference. many press releases. I know you're with me on yeah. this, Mike. And the quotes are always just like, oh. working with these people, what a dream. Yeah. Well, speaking oh. of dreams, uh, showrunner Greg Nicotero had this to say. I feel I'm in great company getting the opportunity to direct a story written by Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Between Salem's Lot, Pet Cemetery, and The Stand. Oh, wow. Real original. All I've right. always found okay. his stories rich and relatable characters forced into supernatural situations beyond their control. The everyday person's primal fears. To visualize Grey Matter for Creep Show with the help of Adrian, Giancarlo, and Tobin was about as good as it gets for a horror fan from Pittsburgh. That makes sense because obviously Romero is also from Pittsburgh. And he was one of his first experiences in Hollywood was on the set of Creepshow, Nicotero. So he was uh-huh. there. I think you, you mean know, Holly Blood. Oh. Holly Blood. Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But you know, um, I will say it. So yeah. we, I can't spoil too much, but we were invited to the set of Creepshow. Sure were. Uh, the story won't uh, run for a few months from now, but uh, I, I saw a ton of sets and uh, got to meet Nicotero himself. And he, this is, I'm feeling really confident. Based on what you told me, the questions I had about this project, I am very excited. Yeah. I would say I'm even more excited than I am about it. Chapter two coming out. We'll get to that later. You mentioned, uh, (laughs) we we joke around about uh, practical (laughs) magic all the time, but let's just say they're using some practical magic here. Oh, Nice callback. I have a yeah. question here. So it says in your, you know, you mentioned here the uh, survivor type, which so was that was rumored. It was rumored, yeah. Because yeah. I, when I started, when I was reporting on this, I was like, I was like, but they don't mention survivor type. And so I went back through the reports about that because we had mentioned it in mm-hmm. the story as we well. Did. And I, and I, yeah, and I found that it was it was rumored from I can't remember like how far it went back, but it was like I dug back through the sources and it's like, I, yeah, I think it was a maybe at the time. Well, there's no maybe about this news. Um, Grey Matter joins an eclectic collection of other grisly stories by authors such as King's son, Joe Hill, mm-hmm. who we've talked about quite a little bit. I've read on this. the thing. The, it's based on a short story by the Silvery Waters of Lake Champlain. It's take a, a moment. What? Oh, how is it? It's good. It's, it's, it's very like, I don't know. It's, it's not very pulpy at all. It's like kind of, I don't know. It's very thoughtful and yeah. like, it's, it's good. Like, I'm very curious about them adapting it. It's about a it's about a sea monster that washes up on the shore of a small town, which mm. is such a neat premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's about the, the kids and people, like, reacting to it. And it ends up being something not 
horribly like supernatural. It's very interesting. Is it in 20th Century Ghosts or something? Or just another... No, it was he it was a Kindle single he published. Oh. Yeah. Shout out Amazon Kindle. I love Kindle. You do love Kindle. Love Amazon. Um, my my corporate warlords. Warlords. Ah. Sorry. And uh, uh, Josh hour. Mallerman's House of the Head. That's the Bird Box author. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's about a uh, I think anyway. It's about a bird in the head. Oh boy. <laughs> Joe Casey. It's kind of crazy that they were able to get that that author before Bird Box actually blew up. So that's yeah. you know good alliteration on that comment, by the mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Uh, Joe Casey and Keith Lansdale. King loves uh, Joe Lansdale. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming these are relatives. They're trying to keep in the family. Uh, does the companion? Christopher Buhlman uh, does the man in the suitcase. Man in a suitcase. It's a police song. Ah. Do, <laughs> Bruce Jones. <laughs> all right. Does All there. Hallows Eve. <laughs> all right. Joss Posita does Night of the Paw and Rob Schraub, Bad Wolf Down. Exciting. A couple directors have also been announced. David Bruckner, who did The Ritual. Randall, you saw Ritual, right? Yeah, I like Ritual. Cool. Yeah, it's good. It's not bad. Roxanne Benjamin, who did a, an entry in Southbound and an entry in XX, a couple she of anthology a horror movie movies. Called, she had that movie that was at Southbound that we didn't get a chance to see. Yeah, the um, uh, Burial at Brighton Rock. Burial at Brighton Rock. Yeah, yeah. I wrote up the or Body at Brighton Rock, recently. I think it was. Yeah, it looks interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob Schraub, who did a couple episodes, I guess, of Fox's now canceled Ghosted. And community, and he did sure Parks and Rec, and he also did huh? Monster House, which I love. Monster House, oh, so it was a CGI yeah. movie, right? Yeah, that'd be yeah. a little comedy with this horror, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. kind of like a creep show entry. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and guess who's back entries, though? Yeah, guess creep- who's back? Back again. Creep show assistant director and composer John Harrison's back. Yeah. The man himself, the man, the myth, the legend, John Harrison. So That's anyway, exciting. I, I'm, I'm I'm very excited about this. Mm-hmm. I'm still excited that this King Renaissance is, in addition to the Castle Rock news. We're bringing in high class talent here. I'm yeah. Excited. Yeah. Pre cemetery, <laughs> Stephen King's Pet Cemetery doesn't exactly leave the gates open for a sequel. Wow. Um, blah blah blah. So there, there's talk of a prequel. Producer Lorenzo Di Bonaventura seems to think so, as he told Losers Club member Daniel J. Caffrey. Daniel J. Caffrey. What is his middle? Oh, W. No, w. Uh, Walker. He was Walker. named after D. W. Griffith. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, so D Bonaventura says, I generally don't start thinking about sequels until they're a success. Probably a good idea. I think if there's anything here, there's a prequel. I think if you look at the book, we didn't cover all the stuff that happens before the Creed family moves in. Uh, so maybe they could do a prequel about uh, the na- the uh, housekeeper who kills herself. Am I reading a, a Dino De Laurentiis quote? Or a, I mean, this is ridiculous. So I think well, to a be movie fair, there, and I think it'd be I'd be particularly interested in doing that. He he just all Dan asked really was just like you know if you could see a sequel to this, would you do it? And that's he, fine. You prompted him. It, what, it's, I don't think this is like he actually is really thinking about it. I love how I'm like backtracking on literally our own the source n- that we reported on <laughs> in Consequence of Sound. But either way, it's. The, the idea of a prequel, I'm not like entirely against because I think there's a lot of cool stuff in it, but it's totally unnecessary because yeah. you have millions of fucking Stephen King books that you could actually adapt. And I don't so. want it from this team, so that's me being a bitch. I know. Mm. I um, know. Mike, you want to take this next one? Uh, z- 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 <laughs> paging Doctor Sleep. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, we got a little gaffer in here. Uh, so last week. Warner Brothers teased footage of Dr. Sleep at CinemaCon, and uh, we weren't there, uh, but Slash Film was, and uh, they uh, provided a description of the footage that they uh, that Warner Brothers showed. 
It's pretty exciting. I didn't know there was actual foot. I thought all this show was the logo. This is going to be news to me. Yeah, they had some uh, some write-ups that, that came out, so yeah. I didn't even know it either. But uh, so according to Slash Film, we got a glimpse behind the scenes with Ewan McGregor sporting a beard as the grown-up Danny, explaining that film directly addresses his character's traumatic stay at the Overlook Hotel. Specifically, how does he deal with that terrible experience from his childhood? Naturally, the presentation also noted that Stephen King is very involved in the production. All right, so here's the sneak peek. The sneak peek itself featured snippets of intriguing footage. A car driving through the woods in the beginning was clearly reminiscent of the opening sequence from Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. <laughs> a group of people gathered around a campfire, a campfire, possibly the villains of the film, a nomadic group of people with powerful I'll guarantee abilities. that they were the, the villains of the film. Yeah, on those who can shine. Uh, we also see Danny touch hands with a young girl, possibly Abra Stone, a psychic kid played by uh, Kylie Curran. Then there's a shot of a woman walking with a needle behind her neck or behind her back. Could this be Rose the Hat, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, the main villain of the film? And then finally, the kicker. Danny standing in a filthy bathroom with red rum scratched into the mirror. Hmm. An adult Danny standing in front of the mirror with uh, red mm-hmm. rum in the mirror? Interesting. Red, red, red rum? Red, red rum. Red rum. Red you know, backwards, that, uh, that's, that spells, uh, oh. this is a sequel to uh, 1980s uh, Stanley. <laughs> There's no question about it in my mind. No, I think yeah. the way that our bet is going to be resolved this is so, uh, that we've discussed is many times in the podcast because it's accurate. Uh, we'll know definitively whether this is a sequel to Stephen King's book, The Shining, or Stanley Kubrick's movie, The Shining, since there's many, they'll probably incorporate elements of both. The definitive way that mm-hmm. we will know who wins the bet, because Mike no, believes no, this it'll is, be a this sequel. Is, this is an anecdote that you've attributed to this bet that is is just, it's shenanigans. It's shenanigans. We can go back to the beginning of the pod when mm-hmm. this was first brought up. It's Mike thinks it's a sequel to the movie. I think it's a sequel to the book. And we'll find out for sure. The definitive answer will be uh, whether I'm, or not. I'm, I'm, I play, I've made a lot of jokes, some funny, during this episode. But I will say the preview I heard was that they, when they showed the Doctor Sleep logo, yeah, they also played the music from The Shining in the yeah. background. That means nothing because okay, no, defini- it doesn't mean no. Nothing. The definitive all thing that will solve whether this is a sequel no. to the book or the movie because they have cast someone as Dick Holleran. Yes, and they call Did- they cast someone as that looks strikingly similar to um, Scatman Colors and also strikingly Shelley similar Duvall. to Shelley Duvall. So, so if. Dick Holleran is alive at the beginning of Dr. Sleep. This is a bullshit anecdote. No, this is just the addendum. one thing that will be the definitive, the definitive no. answer is then it is a sequel to the book because Dick Holleran does not die in the this book. Doesn't, this sounds like movie. it's a sequel to the movie. If they're, if they're playing up this much, uh, if they're using the music from the first movie. Then and no, here's the thing. It'll probably incorporate elements of both. That's all I was that's saying. That's fine. And no, saying that that now, was the sequel to the movie. But no, you you had a bet about it. I had a bet that there was going to be a sequel to the movie incorporating elements of the thing. That's so. too. Let me ask you another no, question. What, what if there's a, a picture? How about this? How about this? What if there's a picture of Danny looking at his wallet at a picture and it's Jack Nicholson? Now is it a sequel to the movie? Now, no. What the question oh. is whether or not Dick oh Halloran is alive or dead right. at the right. beginning. So they'll just, they'll just choose to have Jack Nicholson for no reason as his father. <laughs> no, but I'm but saying it's, it's the it movie sequel. Both. That's actually a good question, though. Like, we're will they do the, that? We're talking about the story. But the, actually, that, the only is, thing the only thing they got copyrighted for was an old picture of Jack Nicholson at a Lakers game <laughs> at Coastside. Like my dice take me to Lakers games. Was it was it the Onion or uh, the Clickhole who did the the thing of him spilling his thing of chili on the uh, um, on the court? <laughs> And it's like him holding a Tupperware. <laughs> anyway, so listen. The, the bet is still on. Hey, you know what? Dr. Sleep, I, I'm still very intrigued. As much as I don't like the book, 
Let's see what they do with this book. Hey, I'm I, I'm all excited for it, but I'm even more excited for the bet. Yeah, well, it's a, an addendum that uh, Randall's added uh, to this, so we'll see. But uh, I feel like I'm already justified in this. Uh, not the FX show, so take the next story. <laughs> Is, you know, should I read this one? Yeah. yeah, let's move it a little quicker this time. <laughs> hey, listen, if I if people interrupt, that's what's gonna happen. You're going to interrupt me, Monster? I'm letting you talk. We're only approaching the hour mark, so. Well, good news. A little dairy for our diet. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Slash Film also saw... (laughs) Slash Film... Good news. Good news, everybody. Slash Film also saw some footage of It Chapter 2. Okay. Let me tell you about it. Oh, look how I'm like... It was a trailer. Um, They say it was actually a scene that then gave way to a quick sizzle reel, as these things do. Um, the scene in question is lifted directly from the book. It's when adult Bev, played by Jessica Chastain, oh. returns home looking for her dad and instead uh, encounters nice old Mrs. Kirsch. We all remember this from the book. Oh, yeah. And the miniseries. And then, of course, Mrs. Kirsch sadly informs Bev her father's dead, invites Bev into the house. Once inside, things start to get a little, a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say about dairy. Says Mrs. Kirsch, no one who dies here never really dies. What? Okay, know. that makes sense. Okay. Uh, then she gives Bev a freaky you were scare. Making up what Jessica Chastain says. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll make sure that made sense, but it does. Um, there's a weird, st- and then of course Pennywise. It's Pennywise. Well, she honest. does find the postcard that Ben gave her, so that's cool. Ooh, you know, so. Sounds like a spoiler alert. But there are also some other things. There are. Yeah. Uh, the audience get a couple, got a couple quick flashes from the film. You get the adult losers uh, wandering through empty streets. We've seen some pictures of that already. Yeah. Uh, the younger losers club riding their bikes. So we will definitely get, I'm assuming, a lot of flashbacks mm-hmm. in this movie. We get an adult Bev rising out of a lake of blood, which I'm assuming would be like an enhanced version of the sink scene from when she was a kid. Foreshadowed in her interview where she talked about the yeah, scene she had like more blood than her. anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Good old Evil Bill Hader, Barry's own, as the adult Richie beneath a giant statue of Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan's statue is going to be in this movie. Boom. I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Then we get the adults regrouping and inevitably going back to the sewers and a lot of red balloons being released into the sky. It, chapter two, September 6th. Someone also described the shot of them standing in front of like a store window and you could see the kids in the reflection, which I thought was pretty cool. That's the ending of the book. Oh, really? Is it? Yeah. We, yeah. In the book, well, they just they just show the ending of the book in this one. Well, spoiler. Well, we're alert. assuming everybody that's listening has read it or seen the movie. So, uh, there yeah, you that's true. Well, that's not a spoiler. I'm just saying I'm surprised that they would sh- talk about that. Hey, it's a it's a great marketing tool. So, it was a great image in the book. So, yeah. It Hopefully comes it's out on September 6th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, move it along. Uh, Justo, you don't sound very excited about the sequel to it. You were, you were being I a think fucking asshole. I was being Twitter. a little unfair. I was being, admittedly, I was being a little unfair. I think I said, I'm looking forward to 25 movies coming out this year more than it chapter two. I was being a little unfair to myself. I could probably think about <laughs> 35 because we haven't talked about the movies that are going to come out in late fall, like the Oscar picks and stuff like that. So. Oscar pick. Um, did you see the last laugh? That's a Chevy Chase movie. I'm looking forward to watching that movie that came out last year. No, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know. I mean, listen, I thought the first one was pretty good. And the adult section of it, the book is weaker than the, the child section. I think we can all agree on that. 
That's all I'm saying. I'm not like I'm not expecting that much from this movie. I'm just not. I'm the only thing worrying about me is uh, old Dobberman. Yeah, you got a great screenwriter here. Well, we got one of the best. <laughs> the Nun. The Nun's uh, own. I, because Annabelle the nun come is, home. N- the Nun is one of the worst horror movies I've seen. <laughs> In my time of reviewing horror movies for this site, it was so boring and it just and I hate using the description boring because it's just it's such a subjective term, even more so than actual subjectivity that goes into a review. But just nothing happening and knowing that this is a prequel also and where this is going to go and. It just all the, the talent that was involved. I know it broke the box office, and there wasn't one scare. Nothing scary. None too. None no, too. We're gonna do none too, and none we're gonna too, expand baby. this bullshit conjuring universe. But more none. Oof. I need more conjuring. I need more conjuring in my horror. I need none. No. <laughs> Give me none. Give me none. Give Bill, me none. Bill none. I would rather see Bill Nunn, who um, I would was, rather was great and do I the right he thing. Away. He did. I would rather see. But that. I would love a script from Bill Nunn. For it, chapter two, like a posthumous, a posthumous. <laughs> like what if, like, what if he had written it before he died? You know, <laughs> was, I know, I know, it? I know. Carrie had written it, uh, the first draft of uh, this, you know, this the first film. But Bill Nunn did not like how Mike Hanlon was being treated, so they're like, Bill, give it a stab. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm excited still for this, but it is kind of weird and suspicious that they haven't released any details and any, even a teaser. Normally like, I'd be excited about that. Cause I, yeah. I hate when they release too much before mm-hmm. the movie comes out, but I know how these rich new line types work. These Warner Brothers execs work. They want to put as much out there as possible. It's just so no, weird to me went, that they didn't attach it to the People went nuts over the footage. I mean, I don't trust any of that bullshit I don't hype either. from no. CinemaCon, but it's like it's like people were like shrieking about that footage, so you'd think that they, I don't know, would feel confident putting it out. I I'll say we had a trailer for it in January of last year, or February. It was right after we started the podcast. Yeah. And it's already uh, April, so... Well, we didn't actually get a full one until I think the MTV Movie Awards. So maybe that's what they're waiting to do again. I well, I can't wait to I, watch I it. Never I, miss I, every MTV year I watch. Yeah, every year I, I watch. So hopefully they'll do it again this year. Well, it's, it's it's weird though because the marketing for this movie is definitely different than the marketing for the first one because you're dealing with adults and not just kids as as lead. Like, I mean, it, I mean, it still makes sense to market it at something like the MTV Movie Awards, but it, it just. An entirely different movie, I hope. I, I hope there's a distinctive tone that's different. This that, movie's going to make $500 million at the box office. I'm sure it's going to make a fortune. But You know what it's probably going to be a lot like? The Nun. Ooh. Mm. When you you know what was my favorite part of The, the Nun? The Nun Chapter 2. When I, when, <laughs> there was three things that were bothering me while watching that movie. <laughs> One nun. was uh, um, the person behind me who had a paper bag that kept shuffling through. So that was already uh, just a, a hellish experience. Are you sure it wasn't a paperback of Stephen King's It? They were reading it in, in anticipation. <laughs> it was actually Doberman himself. Oh, taking notes. Trying to figure out how to get all these characters together again. Um, Maybe there's room for a nun. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> then I also had an allergic reaction, and then also had to sit through that movie. So just, well, it I, sounds I hope, like you were in a bad state of mind to be watching. I was in a bad state this, of mind. I think and you I give it another second chance. It's on HBO oh, yeah. right now. Yeah. I think yeah. it's I know, I, you know it. it's, uh, Knowing me, I do actually give a lot of second chances, and I did try that. Uh, and I lasted 10 minutes before I, I, I turned minutes. it off again. Well, so Awful. since Pennywise is a shapeshifter... Mm, none. You know what he's turning into? Oh, he's I hope a so. Screaming portrait, anybody? You know what'd be great is if in that movie they like they you know when they go see the movies in the book. Yeah, he goes in and sees the nun, and then he comes out, and then the <laughs> nun. great movie. Yeah, you know I just realized. <laughs> Doberman's rewrite of it, chapter one, included the painting that freaks out Stan. Mm-hmm. And the and the, and the nun is also a painting. Ah, yeah, he's, I think he's got a, monster. a. I think he's got a mo. As ah. they say, one T, uh, one TP. If you ask me, I hope we get the bird in this one. I hope we get the nun <laughs> riding a bird. 
It's too bad like that's won't. like. <laughs> uh, anyway, it chapter two, September sixth. <laughs> it chapter okay. two arrives on September sixth. Well, if, just to let you know that um, if you're making plans uh, after Labor Day, maybe the weekend after Labor Day, just know that it chapter two hits theaters on September sixth. My notes say it's the first Friday of September, which is September sixth. Okay, of what this do, year? What do you say? I think it's coming out on the uh, on the world's none day. Which it's, was the it's, non- it's non appreciation day is September sixth. Oh my god! Which is the day that they're releasing it. Well, it's kind of nice because when when Gary Dobrin found out he was going to be able to not only um, write and direct the nun too, yeah, he found he was be able to write it chapter two solo, yeah, and he said I'll do it on one condition, yeah, September sixth. That's really cool. I um, you know, it's not officially fall yet on mm. September sixth, so. It's pretty cool that it will be released while it's still bright and sunny outside on September 6th. Hmm. I'm not going to lie about this, but uh, you know what date that The Nun came out in uh, 2018? What's it? September 6th. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Well, it's the same date as uh, It Chapter 2, which is coming out on uh, September 6th. Well, there's if you check out numerology, this is fascinating. Okay, check this out. If you break down the uh, the number... Of September, which is nine. Yeah. The number six, as, as of course, the day this is coming out. Well, it's And then 19 yeah. of the year. So if you flip... The uh, nines, it's 666 if you take out the one. I was thinking about that because Stephen King, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but the word number 19 is very important in his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sept- uh, September 6th, 6 is 9 up- upside, like if you turn it around. Mm-hmm. So, but you just get rid of the one and then you've got September 6th. Well, well if, if you look at 9619, if you look at the middle numbers, numerology once again, 6 plus 1 equals 7. Plus two. Seven losers. And, of course, the one loser that's left behind is Mike Hamlin. Oh, wow. Ah, good point. Well, if you go back 116 days from uh, December 31st, mm. you get to September, September 6th, 6th, which is when it Chapter 2 hits. That's kind of wild, I think. Yeah. Did you guys know my birthday is on September 6th? Is I, it really? Yeah. It's oh. also the day that it Chapter 2 comes out. Mm. And it yeah. Chapter 2 is on Friday. Is it? What day? September 6th. King returns to Pet Cemetery. All right. Well, if uh, did anyone read this? Uh, yeah, it was I, great. I, I wrote it. About was it was very good. Yeah, very good interview. Fun. He reiterates some of the stuff he says about it in the intro of Pet Cemetery mm-hmm. about why he wanted to, why he chose not to publish it. Well, initially, and he only did it to get out of his publishing deal with Doubleday. But I, you know, I think what was most striking about it was the fact that he still feels that way. Yeah. And he said if it wasn't for that deal, it would still be sitting, he said, like gathering dust in a drawer somewhere, which is wild. It's crazy. I mean, that might be some bullshit, but I think he maybe would have come around on it eventually. I think he sort of maybe likes uh, having that opinion of it, maybe because it's kind of been woven into his mythology. It's the uh, same as the Shining take. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but he does talk about, um, like they ask him, they're like, well, how do you feel about people who would like really love this book? Because the interviewer was like, I don't know, Steve, I really like it. And uh, and then he like made some kind of comment about like, I don't know. I can't remember what he said. He says something. He does say something like, well, you're wrong, Steve. I yeah. thought it was, it was really funny. I know. But like I thought Stephen King's response, though, is basically just kind of like, ah, you know, idiots like dumb shit. It was like <laughs> something like it was an old adage that basically boils down to that. And um, and it just kind of made me laugh. But then he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, people like different stuff, whatever. People get different things out of stuff. But, yeah, he just doesn't like how dark it is, which I think is interesting. And then also the remake just basically made it darker and more exploitive without 
the emotional resonance. So I can't imagine that he would have liked it. There was a story going around that he had pitched an alternate ending. He that did. Was less dark. Yeah. And I can totally see that because the ending that's in the movie, I feel like Stephen King would hate it. Yeah. Well, if you want to read more with King, uh, Anthony Bresnikan, who is apparently the uh, King scholar over there at a, he's always Weekly. reporting the old news on EW. Yeah, so he's uh, talked to King about a multitude of different stories, and uh, it's 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 good having those connections. So, um, and I'm not sour. No, at all wow, not, no, no, not at all. No, uh, not at I, all. I thought the ground was sour, but no, Mike Rothman over here. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, uh, it, but <laughs> chapter two is out on September sixth. Ooh, wait. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, well, my birthday is August 21st. Okay, all right. Lisey's story, we more like it. Apple's story. Mike, do you want to take this? Uh, actually, Justin, you take this because this, well, this is one of your favorite books. I'll of tell this. you, I am excited about this news. Yeah. Apple is staking a claim in the Stephen King renaissance. J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot are turning King's 2006 best-selling novel, what I've talked about ad nauseum on this very podcast mm-hmm. for years, literally, Lisey's story into a limited series event for Apple TV+. Plus. Oscar winner Julianne Moore will star as the titular lead with King returning to television and writing all eight episodes. It's pretty awesome. Wow. This is this just hit last night. It's less wow. than 24 hours old at this Star point, power. So, you know. That's an incredible move to get yeah. Julianne Moore, and she's also executive producing it. And they're they're like looking for high profile directors for this tale. So I think they'll get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, all these streaming networks who are trying to get you know, as many shows as they can as for their launches, they're like just opening up their wallets right now and just getting the highest quality content that they can possibly get. I mean, if you think about what, uh, you know, Disney Plus is doing with The Mandalorian and all the talent that they poured into that, they just announced today that like Billy Crystal and John Goodman are coming back for a regular series. I mean, it's fucking crazy how much content is being. That's just my giant too. My Giant 2, I can't wait. Goodman's playing the Giant. Uh, baseball love. Uh, it's a new uh, Billy Crystal pilot. But I'm very excited this because for my money, I think Abrams has done a really well job at like adapting this stuff. I mean, I thought yeah. 11, 22, was great. The first season, Castle Rock's great, which we talked about before. But so this is, I don't know, seems pretty promising. And I like the fact, the, the key thing for me here is limited series. So I'm not going to try to mm-hmm. stretch this out. Yeah. Like well, they years. said that about Under the Dome, too. Oh, did they say that was a limited series, though, yeah. for Under the Dome when yeah. it came out? when it first started. Well, let's be honest. This is a different story. This is on Apple TV. They got Julianne Moore. It's going to be eight episodes and edit. It. How about think- this? Is this? Is this or is this not a sequel to The Shining, the movie? <laughs> Uh, well, there is some a definitive way. If Dick Holleran shows up at Lisey's story, then <laughs> yeah. we'll know for sure. Well, here's a know, question. Um, here's a real question. I'm um, jazzed. Sorry. Are they going to use uh, Ryan Adams' song? No, oh, that does open up the book, unfortunately. Yeah. Star Wars Blue. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the good news is there's a lot of other songs out there that they can use. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I don't think we have to run to that problem. I loved I loved King's reaction to this, though. Uh, uh, we're going to go back to Needful Tweets. Yeah. Drop, drop the Needful Things needful things thing. Hold All on. right, here we go. He's not a human being. No! Don't you see what he's done? Please kill them all. Let God sort them out. All right. Love it. Love yeah, it. Love it. Love it. He said 20 hours ago. I uh very excited about this. <laughs> and so everyone on his comments were just like being like, I uh cannot wait for it. They just kept making fun of that, you know, grammatical thing. Um, that's wild. But you know what King is always excited for? All of his movies. Yeah, that's true. Ones. 
So this could suck. True. Well, hey, he's hey, listen, writing it. Though. This could suck. This could absolutely this could suck. But you know what? This could also be very good. <laughs> no, I, I'm very optimistic. Here's the thing, it. though. Like we joke about that, you know, because of maximum overdrive and all. But for the most part, when he writes the screenplays, they're pretty good. I mean, I love 89's Pet Cemetery, and I thought the screenplay for the stand is not bad. I mean, I thought it's actually pretty strong. Like the the, the weakest parts of that movie are pretty much like what the effects. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of original story. Uh, Storm of the Century is quite good. And yeah. That was three movies essentially right there. So, yeah, I'm optimistic about King writing it. Cause, yeah. And this is material, like, he tends to lean on, like, you know, goofy ghosts sometimes, like wisecracking ghosts, but there aren't any. In Nothing this. in this one. And so this is a very serious story that I feel like he'll take very seriously. And this is his you, favorite book, I think he said, too. Yeah. So. Did he write the the Shining screenplay? He did the Mick Garris one, yeah. Okay, well, that was well, he's a done a lot since then. All right. Okay, but he, <laughs> th- yeah, and this is this is inspired by his accident from '99 yeah. too. So there's definitely a lot of grief in this book and and losing a loved one. I like the twist though because you, you could have easily just had it be him and losing a wife, but this is about a wife losing a husband. So yeah. anyway, I, I think it's a great book, and I'm I, I can't believe they got Julianne Moore to do this, and I'm excited because obviously. They're going to be doing their best because this is, like you said, Mike, this is going to be launching Apple. Yeah. Essentially. So, or are part of the flagship Apple yeah. shows. So, looking forward to it. Very exciting. Very looking exciting. To well, it. let's close out the episode with a little debate. You people are being stampeded. You know that? There are four witnesses to this supposed event. One, I don't trust at all because he has a grudge against me. Of the remainder, two are hopelessly inebriated. Not yet. Working on it. What about the fourth? I guess that makes me a flat-out liar. Uh, I find that easier to believe than tentacles. We're going to talk a little bit just about what Stephen King books we think should be adapted next because uh, our friend Brian Tallarico over at RogerEbert.com, he did, was this a piece? This is a piece where he did for Vulture. Oh, for Vulture. And so, uh, yeah, he posted... 13, he talked about 13 different titles that would be cool to be adapted. And I guess, we'll, we'll, should we go through them and talk about We can about go through it? them, but I think we should also just like ask like a broader question, like what are we most excited for and what is left on the table? And I think these would be like a good springboard for like what's left on the table that we can kind of My, my stock also. answer, because we've, we've, we've gotten questions like this in our Bag of Bones yeah. entries before, yeah. and my stock answer is always Lisey's story. Yeah. And now it's gone. And now it's gone. But, and good, good riddance. I'm happy because yeah. I can't wait for that. But um, and this list alone... Even if I didn't look at this list, I would still say The Long Walk, I think, yeah. has Same. some great potential. Long Walk, I think, has the most potential to be a really strong adaptation. And um, it's I just love the book. And I feel like I and like I feel like you I don't know. I feel like you kind of have to fuck it up if you're like you. It's not it doesn't seem that hard to fuck up. No. Like yeah. if you kind of stick to the story. Um, I don't know. And I feel like that's the it, it also is totally intertwined with the kind of young adult entertainment that's really popular mm-hmm. right now. And it could easily be you know, marketed as such. And the so o- it just seems like a slam dunk. The only thing that would fuck it up is if you get a director that doesn't know how to handle repetition because the book itself deals so primarily in one location, even if they're moving, it's still yeah. on the road. They're and all you're still just dealing with dialogue. So you really need to get someone like a, like a Fincher or, you know, like a Jeremy Sonner or something that can really kind of, create that tension in small environments and, and whatnot. It's but, creating like the claustrophobia and the wide open spaces that Sonia does really good too. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, would you say like Lisey's is your favorite, is your most anticipated now? In terms of what's coming up next? Like officially God. on the, the, the docket. Of what we know, of the information that we have. Yeah. Yes. Because we don't know a lot about the stand yet. Yeah. We don't know a lot about the dark tower yet. So I would say in terms of what you've told me about the, who's, Running it, producing and writing and starring, L- Lisey's story is absolutely way up there for me right now. 
Yeah, you? in terms of most anticipated long walk, because um, I'm just I'm just into it being adapted. And we've talked about James Vanderbilt, I yeah. believe is his name. He's the one that's adapting it. We still don't know a lot about it, except for that. He wrote it on spec. He's really passionate about it, which, cool. He wrote Zodiac. He also wrote a lot of other shitty movies. But he wrote Zodiac, so... That could also change, we've learned. I mean, yes. nothing's, nothing's set in stone until they say... I know. Action! Yeah. <laughs> Quiet on set. Um... <laughs> So that one, and then also uh, my 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 boy Tommy Knox. Tommy Knox, you're excited for oh. James James Wands. Look, well, we I, ran a great poll. If you go on Twitter, I think we had about 75 votes for this. Which yeah, is a lot for, for us. Who should here, play yeah. guard? Yeah, we had a listing. It, was, it made sense. Yeah, listing. we we put together a list of actors that we think would be really great people to play guard the 40-something alcoholic poet mm-hmm. in Tommy Knockers and uh, the upcoming James Wan movie. So what were, we had our choices. We really narrowed it down. We talked about it for a while. We had Jason Momoa, Aquaman. Yep. Definitely. He worked with James Wan in Aquaman. Yeah, he worked with James Wan in Aquaman. He probably wants to work with him again. I think yeah. he could be really great. Uh, Sandra Bullock, Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. Um, Bird Box. Think, yeah, she was in Bird Box, so she's she was kind in, of dipping her toe into genre. She won Best Actress for The Blind Side. Blind Side. So, yeah, that's, you know, there's some Tommy connections there. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and then also Chadwick Boseman, uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, the guy's money in the bank. So, Well, I feel like a lot of people were upset because it was like the, it was the DC versus Marvel once again. Is it going to be Momoa or is it going to be Boseman? Is it going to be Boseman or Marvel? You know, it's just yeah. it's everybody get over it. It's, it's going to be one of those argument. people. So anyways, you might have seen the you might have seen the poll that we ran. Thank you guys for, for participating with it. And we'd love it if you just, you know, let us know. Like yeah. hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook and let us know who should play Gardner and Tommy Knocker. Should it be Jason Momoa, Sandra Bullock or Chadwick Boseman? Well, you'll be happy to know this is exciting for the listeners um the poll has closed okay 83 votes okay coming in third sorry dc you lose again jason momoa 23 percent of the vote Mm, well he still has dune so he'll be good number two you mentioned her earlier Sandra Bullock. Oscar winner, second wow. place. Wow. Oscar winner, second place practical magic zone as max said Sandra Bullock 36 percent ladies and gentlemen we're going to go from um, the, the heights of Black Panther to the depths of alcoholism and the Tommyknockers, Chadwick Boseman, with 41% of the vote. Wow. He is officially cast. So he's officially cast based we, on we should have, We should have also told the listeners that we did reach out to Warner Brothers and James Wan, and mm-hmm. it was whoever won this poll in 24 hours will be cast as guard. Very exciting. Chadwick Boseman will be playing guard in the Tommy Knox. Very exciting. exciting. And well, we'll keep you posted on if there's any negotiations that fall through in that regard, but things look to be very good right now. Um, they look to be very guard. Yeah, very guard. Do you so, think Jimmy Smits will get a, a cool cameo? Yeah, no. he could play um, He could play one of the aliens. Oh, wow. He could like come out and he'd be like, you know, kind of like a wink, like hey, I was in the miniseries. Hey, I, <laughs> he's like, he's, he got past, like, it's your turn now. You know, <laughs> one of those, like, like, like a nice little passing of the torch. And then, yeah. and then all of a sudden he goes to his car and it just like blows up. <laughs> Well, how about you, Mike? Most, this is uh, Miami Vice. Miami Vice. A, Mike just referenced for all of you out there the Miami Vice pilot. <laughs> not just not the Miami Vice pilot. Anyway. That's First just, 20 ooh. minutes of Miami Vice. Uh, you know, for the stuff that's actually on the table, I guess I'm really excited to see how they do the stand. I, I, yeah. I just – it's there's just so much promise there because – we're f- I don't know I don't know I, based on how the Twilight Zone has been in fun, uh, unfolding with you know CBS All Access I, I do feel pretty promising about it so for a modern facelift uh, for a modern facelift and given what they've been doing with prestige television at this point uh, it could be cool they're gonna so, pump yeah. a lot of money into it so yeah. you don't have to worry about being some but, cheap affair by but that means. kind of you know it kind of spawns a question that I was thinking of is 
now that we have so many properties of King that are given the time and their expansion on television, should is that the preferred medium for all these? Stephen I, King I was books just now? thinking that when we were talking about the Long Walk, I think the Long Walk should absolutely just be a movie. Yep. Yeah. That should not be a, a, a limited series, mini series. Maybe it, that should just be a nice. 90, 90 minutes. Could you imagine movie. a full season of The Long Walk oh and my just God. have to keep walking the entire That would be a nightmare. Episode. It'd, be, it'd be worse for us than the people walking. Yeah. <laughs> what if it had like a 10 episode run like Cheers and all the kids are like, at that point seasons. like 30 years old or something? And, and it, ends with a, it ends with somebody um, knocking on the door and he goes, Walk just ended. <laughs> Awful. Nice. That was a Cheers reference to, the, to, the, to, to the all end. of you. Fans of Cheers. Yeah. Well, it comes out September 6th, and uh, let's talk about this Vulture list. Yeah. Uh, and if we're excited about any of these potential uh, adaptations. How about this? Without getting into too much detail, to bounce off Mike's question, why don't we go down this list and say what it would work best as? Oh, that's a cool idea. Ah, yeah. I like that. So let's begin with the last one here, The Regulators. This excites me because I... Remain. I've only read it once when I was young, but I remain fascinated by this book. the The concept of it it feels like a cocaine book, even though he was sober. Mm-hmm. It is a crazy, crazy, wild novel, and it was a Bachman book. You know, it was his last Bachman book, and uh, well, it's, I guess Blaze would be technically, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, but but yeah, I'm a big fan of the Regulators, and I love the sort of weird gimmick concept he did with that in Desperation. It's such a strange exercise for King, and those are two books that I think are. Or at least I remember them as being pretty underrated. I'm a big fan. So I would love to see The Regulators, but that to me is a movie, not a series. Movie. I've only read Desperation, which is not on this list, mm-hmm. and which I believe would work best as a movie. So yeah, mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're mirror books, essentially. Yep. They're, you know, like you said, they're released at the same time. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with your opinion on that. Well, we've already covered the... We've already... Oh God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> we've already covered The Wrong Walk, so I think... The Wrong Walk. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with my fucking... Like, <laughs> talking today here we go it's like my stutter's coming back maybe pennywise is coming ah, back ah stuttering um, mike rothman yeah so we don't need to talk about the long walk but um what about the langoliers this is fascinating because i'm, I'm assuming i mean brian's a big stephen king fan and i'm assuming he's read the the, the novella i have not read the novella i've only seen the miniseries which mm. i hate yeah I'd randall but you've read it good. yeah i've read langoliers and i would have to reread it i remember it was a little heady for me when i was young i read it when i was really young and i only read it one time yeah so i would i would be interested in i'm interested to reread it i hate the movie i think it's it's <laughs> utter garbage love hatred in this episode i will say that the langoliers uh story i remember being very compelling and very interesting and i think that there's a lot to a lot of good in it and i do think it could benefit from a uh from a good adaptation i just Mm. hope they bring uh bronson pinchot back (laughs) what if it's just bronson pinchot and nobody else is on the plane then it's a one-man show let's do it bronzo what if they they use old footage from the miniseries (laughs) and weld it with the new one and they just kind of do like but it still has the box screen because it was pan and scan they they flip the frame so like his hair's part the other way just to get like more reaction shots you know to Uh, me the the langoliers miniseries and when we get to it i can maybe talk about this more that movie to me is pure 90s yes oh god yeah pure tv movie 90s just Mm -hmm. like the wardrobe everything about effects like like thursday matinee television yeah 90s it is Crazy. such like I'm actually really excited to revisit it just because it is such a weird and it's such a strange story mm-hmm. to adapt. Like, why did they choose that one? Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. And like uh, anyways. So, yeah, I can see why it's on this list, because to me, it's a um, it's a strange, interesting property that I think is sort of a bit I wouldn't call it an outliner outlier of King, but it's definitely a lot headier than um, and, and it's like threat is more existential than yeah. it is. 
um, you know, physical and mm-hmm. real and tangible. So interesting. Well, you hated interesting that, but do you love Tom Gordon? Uh, I've only read The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon once, and I didn't like it because mm-hmm. it was. I just thought it was slow, and I didn't. I wasn't invested. It's slim too. It's very slim. I don't think that's really for us. And I don't mean like we don't like, I just think it's not for, I think it is actually his, his best attempt at like a youth, uh, like a young adult novel. Mm, in a lot sure. of ways. Yeah. I, I think it could work well if they, if they released it as a young adult, like thing. a 10, 10 episode season though. No. Oh God. Oh, no, 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 this is, you know, this would be, this would be like a nice partnership with the MLB network and you have like a 90 minute movie, like Bob Costas introduces it. <laughs> Oh, I guess I didn't say about Langoliers. I would say that that's definitely a movie. A movie, yeah. I, I, I think so. From what I know of the content. Well, let's, but, not, let's not forget this strange anyway, idea TV of movie. MLB like, movie. <laughs> hey, Bob Costas, what? The MLB <laughs> Network. Bob Costas works there. They, I think they've yeah. done original movies. Let's do it. Girl, girl, girl of Tom Gordon. Tor- Does it have to do with baseball? And ML- Tom Gordon is a, is a is famous a base- baseball pitcher well, for the Bread Sox. I didn't know that. So, <laughs> there you, know, you go. And if it's not Manny Ramirez or David Ortiz. the pop of the bat. No, this is um, Tom Gordon. He was a beloved Red Sox reliever. Um, this is before they started winning World Series. Um, not so fun fact. He eventually went to the Cubs, my team, and was not very good. So I was the boy who did not love Tom Gordon. <laughs> okay. Uh, the boy who was angry at Tom Gordon in the ninth inning. That was me. Well, if you're the boy who did not love uh, Tom Gordon, are you the gingerbread boy? <clears throat> no, but let's talk about the gingerbread girl. <laughs> I actually don't know this story. I don't. I don't know the story at all. Is this from like Everything's Eventual or something? Yeah, it's. I, I believe it's. Uh, let me. Look I've never up, read actually. Everything's Eventual. Oh. You know what? I I have read Everything's Eventual. Eventual, I should eventual. say. Oh, it's a cur- oh. This is a. You guys are morons. This is Pontypool right um, now. Pontypool. Like, uh, <laughs> Good movie. Highly recommend. Yeah. So he says, Gingerbread Girl was, okay, so as tales of survival and toxic masculinity continue oh, to dominate boy. the headlines, someone smart should have rushed this 2007 novella into production. The key here is finding the right oh, actress to play Amy. I do remember this. Mm-hmm. No, this is actually pretty good. It's in just, it's just, it's in a just after sunset. It's oh. a woman who becomes obsessed with running after the death of her baby daughter. As her marriage falls apart, she retreats to a family home in Florida. Mm, that's where uh, King resides sometimes, mm. where one of her neighbors happens to be a serial killer. When she falls into his trap, her recent training serves her well. This is one of those yeah. King works that doesn't deal with the supernatural falling more into survival, survival subgenre. With echoes of Gerald's game and even misery, this could be a great two-hander with the right performers as Amy and Pickering her attacker. It feels like a perfect fit for a Netflix original. I was thinking Mike Flanagan because this sounds yeah. Like a Mike Flanagan I, this could story. make a good movie. I, I apologize. I just forgot the name, but I forgot the title. Because but Kate it's not Siegel fancy. there, boom, you got it. it no joke. Like, it yeah. sounds a bit like um, Big Driver, which was not a good adaptation. I like Baby Driver though. Was I don't want to jump the gun here because we, we'll talk about that book in years to come. But Big Driver, probably my least favorite in that collection. Of and stories. Full Dark No Stars. Yeah. yeah, I don't love it yeah. either. Um, I think that the Netflix series, is that what Talarico said? He's saying a Netflix original. I yeah. could absolutely see that as a Netflix movie, yeah. This next one he was saying, I think we all agree that the jaunt would make like a really cool adaptation, but he was saying that this would be neat to, as a, almost like a nod to the 80s Twilight Zone to be part of this new Twilight Zone to have like a Stephen King story being used for Jordan Peele's. So ah. I was thinking the jaunt would be like a really cool I movie. think that... Uh, it would be a good short story. I don't think it would be a good movie. This, could, want, this falls into our short story yeah. narrative. I want, a, I want a series. 
I a want, series of the John. I want the John expanded universe. Twenty two episodes on kidding. ABC. No, I'm I'm thinking like eight episodes that really kind of got into the creation of it. Mm. Um, I think it could be a really cool sci fi series. Well, the whole thing is a, is a look back on the creation of the jaunt and everything. Yeah, else. I think yeah. you could dig a little bit into it and uh, toy a little bit. And obviously, I don't think we would want to know like what exists between the two sides of the jaunt. But I think that it could be a really cool, creepy sci-fi series. If you were to base it solely on the story that we have, I think it would work best as a like an episode of a creep show or a yeah. Twilight Zone or something like sure. that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm I see more, where you're coming from. more interested in it as an expanded sort of thing. But I would definitely watch the shorter version. Absolutely. This next one, I'm not interested at all. Yeah. What is Graveyard Shift in here for? Because he this was, would be a, but this would be a good cheap movie that would make its money back. Well, it already did that in the '80s. It's gonna make some more money, baby. <laughs> you can never stop making just, money. Just re-release it. I think Brad Dourif's gonna come back. What if they did like like. 30th anniversary of Graveyard Shift coming back to theaters. It's like a special, like, and they show in theaters, but the, it, with a new introduction by Brad Dourif. He's like, hey, everybody, uh, it's good to be here. And I'm here to talk about Graveyard Shift. Uh, hold your questions about the new Chucky series that hold your questions. Had a great time filming this with, uh, with the boys back in uh, 1987. Um, 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 Mr. Duraf, uh, uh, when yeah. you were on the set of the X Files, um, uh-huh, did uh-huh. you did you get to hang out with uh, uh, Jillian and Dave? You know, Jillian was fantastic to work with, but I'll tell you something: they, she didn't match up to the levels of the wonderful Tim Oliphant on the set of Deadwood. He was a wonderful man and a treasured John Hawks equally up to the up to the task. We all miss Powers. We wish Powers was still with us. But he was there in spirit, I could tell you that. Oh, man. Okay. Thank you, Brad. Oh, thank you, Brad. So Uh, Graveyard Shift, I don't think any of us are wanting it. Uh, I still actually kind of like the the story. But, I mean, especially if you're going to do anything, just make it a movie. Well, Brian admits that it'd be tough to pull off, but potentially amazing. And at any rate, we at least need to correct the error of that 1990 effort. But the thing is, is that the story itself is flawed. Because it's this, like, weird sort of turn that the character does. Because he's a drifter, but he automatically just, like, immediately goes to kill. I think he just... You fix it. Yeah. It, it could be, it's fixable if you make like a dumb horror movie out of it, like a fun, dumb horror movie. I mean, well, other than, other than like Michael Jackson's Ben, when have like rats been profitable? Uh, Willard. Willard. Love right. Crispin. I don't know. Uh, let's talk <laughs> Joyland. Ratatouille. <laughs> Ratatouille, the terrifying Ratatouille. Yeah. You, read you know, Joyland. I read Joyland and, you know, I think this could actually work <sighs> as like a Netflix series, mm-hmm. not 13 episodes, but like a, like a six episode thing. You, cause you can actually expand upon this kid's summer at this mysterious, cause it's a crime I, story set. But in that's the, carnival. the thing. Like it's Pennywise. I think the best parts of this story have nothing to do with the mystery at hand. I think the best parts are just him. It's almost like an adventure land type oh, okay. story of him just working at this uh, amusement park. Well, he's, he's saying that this one feels like it could actually make for a robust setting for a streaming series. Yeah. There's an oh, actual wow. haunted house, potentially a murderer in the park and a vibrant period backdrop. Maybe you've heard of a little show called stranger things. Uh, I have Brian. There you it's go. One of my favorite shows. So think along those lines. Uh, Brian and I are in agreement on this one. Oh. So the next one, I don't know this one. I read Mile 81 a long time ago. I get I get these mixed up around. Maybe you can help me out. There's the one where it's like a gas station, I think, and there's something going on with a car. Is that Mile 81? No, that's 
Or is this like stuff that's to do from with Cornfield? The gas station is from a Buick. No, I, I, I'm lost. Or at least I, I think I've read Mile one, but maybe we should move on. I don't remember Mile one. Well, either way, he's he writes, The opening short story of King's Bizarre of Broken Dreams okay, I've definitely read this thing. was originally published on an e-novel, as an e-novel in 2011. It's a wonderfully gory and grotesque piece of storytelling that would work perfectly on the screen. Although it is hard to describe without making it sound goofy. The plot centers on a carnivorous station wagon. Oh, wait. No, I know what this one is, and I do not like this story. Okay. Dan Caffrey and I have talked about this a lot. This is like this falls into that old trope of that, that, that our favorite show, Family Guy, goes into where oh, yeah. it's like, oh, it's a deadly car. Yeah, which it. he's done like multiple yeah, times. Exactly. So, no. this, Dan, this, does Dan like the story? No. No, okay. no. He's like, oh, well, speaking of deadly cars, we've got another one. From a Buick 8, which is a book I rather enjoy, but I yeah. don't. I don't know this. The book is so tied into the Dark Tower mythology um, in ways that I just don't know if it would. I, I would say I'm not even really sure it holds up on its own. Mm. Like, because the parts I was really into were were Dark Tower based. Because I liked how it sort of served as a vessel and it tied in the low men and stuff like that. I mean, I don't think it needs all that to really function, but. I don't know. It's it's another car story. It's not like the car is evil, but the car is sort of a vessel. And um, it's interesting in that regard, but it's a bit thin. But I still like it. I remember when we did our King Extended Universe, we had it in there. Yeah. And I wrote up the, the piece for that. So I don't know. I think it works better as part of a larger whole. But um, if they were going to make it, it's definitely a movie. So. Well, it's Romero and Toby Hooper were attached to it at one point. So Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah, think Romero was attached to every I King know. property from like 1982 to. His and he death. only did like what? Two? Yeah. Well, Creep Show, Dark Half. And that's. And that's it, right? I guess yeah. my. Here's the here. I'm able to articulate it now is like why I don't think it would work as a movie is because I think it would be really hard in a film to convey that the car itself is not evil. The car is a vessel. Yeah. And the. I feel like the movie would inevitably turn it the Christine route mm-hmm. or oh. the gender what mile 81 route. Like it would, I feel like it would have to go there to make it because, you know, you need a monster and the car isn't a monster yeah. in Buick 81. It's, it's a, it's sort of a mysterious object. It's a vessel. And so, yeah, so I don't know. I just don't know if that would work on screen. I like it as a book, but yeah, so. That's that's my that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Oh, wow! Hey, wow. We got oh, jeez, calm down, Randall. <laughs> isn't, isn't that a, back off? Wasn't that a sign off for weekend update? Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, come on. Come on. Uh, After we fumble his way through a bit. <laughs> um, well, here's one I'm really excited oh, for. Yeah, here we go. My Duma Key. I'm not everything, a big everything fan I of this hear novel. it's a movie, right? This would be a movie. This would be a movie, yeah. and and I'd probably enjoy it more as a movie. I just there was something about the. He just takes a long time getting the story going. But you didn't finish it, did you? I got about 75% and I just wow. could not. That's crazy. I know. I think it really gets cooking. About it, eventually, through. but then at that point I was already reading other books about him. So I'm a Duma Key fan. I don't love it. I think it would work as a series. Oh, there's really? a lot of character um, development that goes on. Like yeah. the, the, the main character. Like a really... limited series? Yeah. Okay. I oh, yeah, that. definitely yeah. not. Right. More yeah. than okay. You don't want uh, five episodes, episodes. F- 22 episodes, five seasons? No. Okay. Uh, I do think that it's an in- interesting character study. I think it's a cool setting for a piece. Um, and 
I don't know. The story itself is flawed. It's it's a very strange kind of thing, but there's a lot of beats that I think it could hit that it could be a really cool character study with a bit of supernatural. Well, it's another one of those stories that was definitely inspired by his accident because yeah. that deal is all about... It's about pain. Yeah. 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 So It's good, though. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Duma Key fan. So I just... I don't know. And I'm from Florida. And I just couldn't... That's, that was... And the cover is gorgeous, too. And I just... I remember my girlfriend at the time got it for me as a Christmas gift and she would just be like, did you finish the book? And I was just like, yeah. I'm, it's like, no. I didn't finish the book, but this relationship's over. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. Uh, over text message, too. No, I'm just joking. Oh, my God. Um, but I, you I, suck, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're, we're all uh, good people here at the Losers Club. Sure. Next book. The Man in the Black Suit. Ah, this is a short story. Yep. And this was in The New Yorker, which is uh, my favorite magazine. And it was also in, in a... Oh, congratulations. In no, no actual <laughs> And it was also in a... Uh, it's in one of his collections. This, this story... Kind of reminds me of Gwendy's button box. I'm not saying the plot's the same, but it's a kid. I think he thinks he's met the devil or ran to the devil and is trying to evade him for years and years. Um, I think it's a tough one because it works because a short story. He's telling the story. Yeah, I, I think it's a movie. Yeah, if you're gonna do it, it would be a movie. I, I, don't, I don't. I mean, see it's a short as, story. So yeah, it's again the short yeah. story should should stay short mm-hmm. as short as possible. Totally. Not much to say about it. Well, uh, the last one is a big one that I think. Everyone here is pretty familiar with, right? Did you guys hear that they're making a porn parody out of Gwendy's Button Box? Oh, what's it called? Yeah, it's going to be called Gwendy's Butt Box. Wow. You could just say Gwendy's Button Box. You probably could, actually. Butt. Butt Box. Like butt. Um, Okay. Oh. The number one adaptation. (laughs) Speaking of... (laughs) The children's tale. Yeah. We, we talked about this a lot, too. Uh, the Eyes of the Dragon. I think this would work best as a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even though it takes place over years, I think it still works best as a nice, taut, 105-minute movie that's including the credits. I think Tim Burton could do it. And I think definitely. I think if Tim, Bur- Tim Burton, who's not listening right now, and even if he was, he's very rich. I don't think he ever has to work again. No. I'm done. Uh, this is... Should definitely be marketed at teenagers, yeah, or preteens. And no Tim Burton is my is my number one thing on the list. On the, on the, on the, you don't want that Dumbo list. touch? I don't want. Apparently, I don't want the Burton touch anymore. I've heard two people There's that no love Burton touch. Uh, Dumbo. Phil Casares, yeah, that's it, who I trust, and uh, Matt Mellis. So this movie will not be good. I'm calling it now. He's made what two good movies in the 21st century, and they both had the word "big" in the title. I, I will say, Miss Peregrine is actually not bad. I enjoyed it. What about Dark Shadows or um, oh, awful. Uh, Sweeney awful. Todd or uh, awful? Can we go on? We'll, we'll, big Dumbo. Big Fish. Do you like? Hey, you like, you gave uh, Big Eyes a B. That was the other B. Big Eyes yeah, said to so the Bigs. Okay. But guess what? Big Eyes look nothing like these other. I know. Post production gray filtered nonsense. Yeah. Uninspired. Well, anyway, what, what happened Tim? So Eyes of the Eyes Dragon directed by Tim Burton. <laughs> so we're gonna get Tim Burton to direct this movie. Obviously, I hope so. I hope we get uh, Aja Butterfield or whatever his name is. Ah, as the I as was the dragon. Asa. Aza? Asa. Ava Green can play Flag. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, maybe she could play, you know, Queen Roland or something like that. Queen Roland. Rolanda. Or maybe she could play, I don't know any of the characters I've never read the book, so. Well, I'll say I this about the Eyes Dragon. There are not, well, there's a couple female characters, but they're not given a lot of time. Oh. I'll say that much. Um, well, sign me up. For what, the female characters or for Tim Burton? I'll take them all. All right. I'm making this thing happen. All right, well, I don't, that's not on this list. Like, what are th- ones that you actually would want at this point? Oh, my God. I mean, I, I really want another Salem's Lot. Like, I want a really good movie of Salem's Lot. I want a new Return to Salem's Lot. 
Oh, really? Rest in peace, Larry, Larry Cohen. Cohen. I, I, I think I would like to see a limited series of Salem's Lot. Oh, okay. Because like, there's, there's enough there. There's a lot of characters. Actually, there. I yeah, I think a limited series. It needs to be a limited series. Yeah. yeah. I think you'd be good, a nice slow burn there. We're I gonna, want uh, Song of Susanna. Well, I got some good news for you. On its own. Season 10 on Amazon. <laughs> you're going to get it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, anything else? I think that's it. Cool. This was a fun episode, y'all. Thanks for putting up with our bullshit. There was a lot of bullshit this episode. We've been we waiting apologize. to do this for a while, though. So. Please still give us five stars. Um, yeah, but, you know. I think for the the it chapter two release date jokes alone. Oh, yeah. That's a five yeah. star, five noser. I wonder how five many noser. people are exactly at that point going to be dropping off the episode so if you're still with us we appreciate it exactly. we appreciate you you put up with our shit the thing is though we haven't been in a room together for a little bit yeah. um or at least i haven't with y'all yeah, court mandated uh so yeah well, like we a needed, fun uh, episode we need to get it out yeah. a little bit yeah um so thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back soon uh dark half is our next book that is on the horizon and we've got an interview with christopher young yeah so famous yes. composer you might know him from hellraiser and the uh dark half the dark and half recently film. a pep Recently at Pet Cemetery. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't realize he did Pet Cemetery. And a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. Ah, the one about repressed homosexuality. Yes, you said which it. we uh, discussed it uh, back in February on Halloweenies, Ooh. a Freddy Krueger podcast. Check it out. Yes. Well, thanks so much, guys. Uh, we'll see you soon. So long days, days and pleasant, pleasant nights. nights. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot Consequence Podcast Network.